0: Good morning, what a gift to worship with you all For those of you in the room, so great to have you My name is Rich, I'm the lead pastor here at New Life And at the end of our service, at the, uh, I'll be downstairs in the lobby area with some of our pastors And would love to meet you, especially if you are here for the first time Or if we've never connected before And for those of you joining on uh, newlife.nyc or YouTube or Facebook What a gift to have you worship with us uh, as well before we get into our message today I wanted to share some news uh, Really some family news around uh, Something that happened in our church Regarding uh, the death of one of our new lifers Andrea Garnett. Uh Andrea, um, many of you have known Andrea And she's a 20 year member of our community uh, Who served in many different capacities uh, In our welcome ministry as Uh, one of the volunteers as a counter when it comes to receiving our offerings, a woman of just great integrity. She's also a small group leader in Woodhaven, Queens, uh, in one of a small group. And uh, we learned about her passing um, about a week ago. And uh, whenever a new lifer passes away, especially someone who's been part of our community for a long time, Often go back to the email Exchanges that I have with many of them And I've had many email exchanges With you and uh, coffee And tea and all that but I looked over The last 15 years of email exchanges And we've had many conversations There was one conversation that uh, I wanted to highlight because It really gets to the heart of Andrea And the way she wanted To follow Jesus uh, Passionately even with the ups And downs of life and she said something to me some years ago, and I just want to read it to you. She said, you know, I believe we're always going to wrestle with thoughts that aren't always righteous, but when we are in tune with the Holy Spirit, we can become aware and choose what to do with these thoughts, to cast them down or to go with them. But I have resolved that I'm always going to have thoughts that aren't righteous, thoughts that I don't want to think, but God knows the thoughts and the intents of my heart And the renewing of my mind will always continue And uh, that's the kind of woman she was A woman who wanted to continue to pursue after Jesus uh, In spite of the ups and downs And so there is a memorial service or a home-going service for her uh, At Christian Cultural Center in Brooklyn uh, This coming Tuesday for those of you who knew her Or just would like to pay your respects But can we take a moment to pray for her family And even those of you who are in this room Who knew Andrea well And grieve her loss and passing And we grieve uh, Because it's a very human thing to do And as we anticipate Easter Sunday We we grieve in hope uh, That one day She will have a resurrected body And one day we will be in community uh, Together once again But in the meantime We grieve and we pray And so Lord Jesus We thank you for the gift of our dear sister We thank you for her life, for the ways that she touched and blessed so many in our community. And Lord, we pray now for those who grieve her loss. We pray for family and friends and pray that you would offer your healing touch in only ways that you can. And Lord, as we grieve, we grieve knowing that you are the God who is the God of resurrection and the God of new life. And so even as we hold on to this grief, We do so with great hope knowing that this is not the end of her story And so we hold all these things before you it's in the name of jesus. We pray and everyone said amen Amen. We've been in a series throughout uh, this season of lent uh, Focusing on what it means to Grow in goodness and in beauty and in kindness. That's the name of this series good and beautiful and kind and this series emerges out of a poem by the great American poet Langston Hughes, who wrote a poem entitled Tired, in which he said, I am so tired of waiting, aren't you, for the world to become good and beautiful and kind let us take a knife and cut the world in two and see what worms are eating at the rind and throughout the course of this series so far we have identified some of the worms that eat away at our world some of the worms that eat away at goodness and beauty and kindness the worms that often cause the fractures of our lives and in the world we first, we started the series talking about sin and talking about powers and principalities The last two weeks we've talked about what it means to move towards goodness, what it means to move towards beauty and kindness, and so we've highlighted the virtues of humility and contemplative prayer. But today I want to talk about what it means for us to abide with one another. What does it mean to be present? What does it mean to have a presence that abides with God and one another? Uh, my daughter asked me uh, what the sermon was going to be about. And so, whenever a 13 year old asked me, I, I tried, let me, how can I summarize this in, in, in one way? And so I thought about it for a second. I said, uh, This sermon is about being present to God and present to each other and present to ourselves, especially when situations get really anxious. And she said, All right. And, uh, and so. <laughs> Uh, My hope is that at the end of the sermon you won't go all right uh, But you will really sense god's call in your life individually and as our lives together as a community To move towards this and so it's along those lines If you have a bible if you have your phone if you want to check out the screen We're going to look at the gospel of john chapter 15 It's a passage of scripture that I come back to in my own life with god devotionally It's a powerful scripture powerful passage that has so much for us Around what it means to be present to one another And present to God and present to ourselves John 15 beginning at verse number 5 We'll go to verse 12 Hear the word of the Lord Our Lord Jesus says I am the vine you are the branches If you remain in me and I in you You will bear much fruit Apart from me you can do nothing Just think about that for a second Jesus says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Verse 9 As the Father has loved me, So have I loved you think about that for a moment as the father loves jesus So jesus loves you I mean that's this is worth 90 minutes of just reflection on these words as the father loves jesus Jesus says that's how I love you now remain in my love If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your presence in this place. And Lord, we know that we can only do what you've called us to do, through the empowerment of your spirit. And so give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to receive all you have for us this day. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Uh, the year was 2020. Do you remember 2020? Uh, <laughs> it should be called the year that shall not be named. Uh, 2020, it was an early October evening. And I was about to do something that I don't none of you do. Uh, I was about to check my email at night before going to bed. I know none of you have ever fallen into this trap. And so I think to myself, should I respond to this email, look at this email now, or should I wait in the morning when I can be alert and not lose any sleep? And so I said, Yeah, I'll check the email. And so I, I, I saw that it was from one of our pastors who said uh, rich the election is about one month away i have a great idea what if we identify two people in our church one person who's going to be voting for donald trump and the other one who's going to be voting for joe biden and how about we have them in a conversation before with each other before our entire church on zoom that's what that was the her idea and and with great uh, courageous leadership and with great wisdom I responded no we're never going to do something like that Are you out of your mind what? and she would say but aren't we like emotionally healthy and all that And I thought that's when Pete Scazzaro was leading this church <laughs> It's a new day uh, We're not doing this any longer and so uh, She asked me to consider it and I thought after a few days, you know what? Um, uh, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll do it and so she says what if we got two elders to be in conversation with each other. I thought even worse. Uh, we're going to be this, this is going to end really badly. But she found two elders in our church, uh, a Puerto Rican man in his 60s who was going to be voting for Biden and a Korean American man in his 50s who was going to be voting for Trump and this was going to be moderated by an African American millennial man because that's how we do it in Queens and and we were going to have this conversation and I remember the day as I'm thinking about this event and I'm very anxious about it And I'm going, this is going to end bad I don't know if I'm going to be the pastor after this thing here And so I get to my bedroom I sit in my chair I open up my laptop And before I press start, I go Alright, Lord, this is going to be bad But I press start video And my first response was Praise the Lord, everybody Aren't you glad that you're here? God's presence is here I, could, I was lying God's presence <laughs> is here I could feel it I could feel it And then the conversation ensued And I gave a little talk And we had the conversation And what I saw there really blessed me And surprised me in some wonderful ways Because if you've been paying attention to our world uh, It's pretty fractured And if you're paying attention to our world It's pretty divisive And pretty fueled by anxiety and emotionality And so I was expecting some of that But what I saw instead of anxiety What I saw instead of emotionality Was curiosity and humility and the sharing of various perspectives and the stories that inform those perspectives. And was it awkward at times? Yeah, and did they see everything eye to eye on issues? Absolutely not, but we saw something in one another. We saw, first of all, each other's humanity. We saw each other's perspectives. We saw their stories. And this is not to sensationalize or romanticize the very different differences uh, in which people held their values and positions, but we tried to model something in that moment that there is is a possibility to grow in wholeness in the midst of our big uh, disagreements. And what I discovered in that day is that becoming someone Who can remain present to oneself and to another And especially in times of disagreement and distress Is one of the most important things that we can do To see the world become whole Where do you go when distress appears in your life? Where do you go when there's significant disagreement? What we do with these moments can either help to uh, lead to a wholeness or greater fractures in our world. And so this sermon is really about trying to identify what it means to be a calm and loving presence in the midst of great uh, uh, divisiveness, in the midst of great fractures, not just on social media and on the news, but in our families, In our congregations In our relationships with one another And becoming a calm presence is exactly that Remaining close and curious to God Remaining close and curious to ourselves Remaining close and curious to others Especially in times of high anxiety And we go to our Lord Jesus Christ today Because he has a word for us A word that comes up over and over again In the Gospel of John That really gets to what I want to talk about today in john chapter 15 we find that jesus is nearing the end of his ministry for three years he's preached about the kingdom of god for three years he's healed the sick for three years he's given sight to the blind for three years he's risen raised the dead for three years he's let the people know that the kingdom of god is accessible radically accessible to anyone who turns to jesus and trusts in him And now he's about to summarize three years of ministry, summarize three years of teaching, summarize really what the kingdom of God is all about and what he invites all of us into. And the word that he invites us into is the word abide, abide, abide. That's the word that shows up over and over again in the gospel of John. Not five times, not 10, not 15, not 20, not 30, not 40, not 50, not 60. 63 times in the gospel of John, the word abide shows up. We read it in the word remain in our translation. Remain in me and in I, you. Over and over again, it shows up. Abide, abide, abide. Abide. And that word abide, there's a range of meaning in that word, which means that uh, in, in the Greek language, which means to stay, to dwell, to continue to be present, to continue in relationship, to wait, to suffer for, to submit to, to act in accord with, to be faithful to. Let me ask you do these words describe your relationship with God? Words of abiding, words of remaining. And as I think about my own life, and maybe you think about your own, it's often not abiding that describes our lives. Not a remaining close to Jesus, but this kind of in and out relationship in which God cannot really do in us what what he wants to do through us. And yet what we're invited into is to abide. When I think about this word abide or remain meno, I think about something that happens just about Every morning, every morning, I make my wife Rosie a cup of tea. Take note, brothers. I I I I I make her a cup of tea. It's it's worked wonders for our, our marriage. And and so I've discovered over uh, the years. Uh, we're gonna get deep here. That there's at least two ways of making tea. Two ways of making tea. The first way of, of of making tea is to be a dipper, where you take the bag and you dip in, and you dip out, and you dip in. And you dip out And you dip in And when the tea is to your liking If you want to get really sophisticated with it You wrap the tea bag around the spoon You press down You discard the tea bag You enjoy your tea Where you're, you're a dipper and, and whenever I drink tea Can I confess I'm a dipper When I drink tea I'm not really a tea drinker I'm a coffee drinker But I dip in And I dip out and, and that image of dipping in and dipping out Is often a metaphor for the spiritual life Because many of us We dip in prayer We dip out of prayer We dip in the Bible We dip out of the Bible We dip in church we dip out of church. We're, we're, we're dippers. But there's another way of making tea. Come on, somebody. And the other way of making tea is to be a dweller. Where you just let the tea bag just sit there. And you don't touch it, you just let it do what it needs to do in that hot water. You just let it abide you just let it dwell you just let it sit there and right before your very eyes the composition of the water begins to change without you actually doing anything listen when you're dipping that's working your shoulder you know what i'm saying you're dipping in and you are dipping now but when you allow yourself to dwell transformation happens right before your very eyes one day, I was having a conversation with someone down here in Georgia Diner. It was, it was Nevada Diner at the time. We've covered all the states here. And, and, and it was Georgia Diner and, and, and had my coffee and he had his tea and he's dipping in and he's dipping out and he's dipping in and dipping out. I said, Brother, why don't you just let the tea bag sit there? And he said, Because if I let the tea bag just sit there, the tea is going to get too strong. And I said, My, my, my. He said, what happened? I said, you're giving me preaching material, brother. You're giving me preaching material. Because when you allow yourself to just steep in the presence of God, transformation begins to happen. You start finding yourself doing things that you could not do in your own strength. You You start finding yourself generous when you used to be stingy. You start finding yourself courageous when you used to be afraid. You start finding yourself forgiving when you used to be resentful. And Jesus knows that if we're going to work for the healing of the world, it means that we must learn to abide in him. What is to characterize the people of God? What is to characterize the church? First and foremost, that we have been with Jesus. In the book of Acts, chapter 4, there's this remarkable passage of Scripture where the church is exploding. People are coming to faith in Jesus, and, and the people around these disciples who are doing remarkable things take notes about something in their lives. In Acts, chapter 4, verse 13, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astounded, and hear the verse, and they took Note that these men had been with Jesus. There was something about their lives that they said, we don't know much about them, but this is what we do know. These men have been with Jesus. Here's the question. Who have you been with? Who have I been with? To abide in Jesus is to work for the wholeness of the world. And we cannot work for the wholeness of the world in our relationships unless we learn to abide in him. But I want you to see the progression here. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. But this relationship with Jesus is not simply this vertical thing where it's me and Jesus and no one else. This relationship with Jesus is now to be expressed and embodied in our relationships with one another and so right after Jesus says abide in me and I in you he says basically remain with each other abide with each other love one another look what Jesus says in this verse he says love each other as I have loved you as the father has loved me so have I loved you now Love one another in this way. And when Jesus offers these words to love one another to these disciples, he has to know how difficult this actually is because his disciples are very different from one another. If you pay attention to the Gospels, you'll see how different. Jesus' disciples are from one another. And when Jesus decides to to, to gather people to his group of 12, he does not gather them according to Enneagram number. He does not gather them according to personality type. He does not gather them according to who they might vote for. He gathers very different people, and I want to highlight two people in his core group of 12, and look how different they are, and look what Jesus tells them to do. He has a guy named Matthew and a guy named Simon. Look how different they are. Matthew's a tax collector. Simon's a tax protester. Matthew collected revenue for the Romans. Simon was a rebel against the Romans. Matthew was wealthy. Simon was a commoner. Matthew lived to make his money by overcharging people like Simon, and Simon lived to kill people like Matthew. And Jesus said, you're going to be in the same small group with each other. You thought your small group was bad? This is a bad small group. And Jesus said, we are going to figure out what it means to bear witness to the truth that the kingdom of God has become present. That God's presence is here and one of the ways we are going to show the world is by gathering people who are very different from one another and teaching them how to love well and when I think about this group of people I think about our congregation I think about what God is trying to do among us here in Queens whenever I think about our congregation and the vast diversity of it this is a not the easiest place to practice love it's much easier to practice love in a place in which everyone looks like you And everyone votes like you and everyone sees the world in the same way you do it It's kind of easy to do that But when you get this many different people from different generations and different histories It, it, it makes it that much more difficult to live this out and every fourth of july this comes to the surface Every at least for me as your pastor Every 4th of July, I'm I'm made aware of at least four different kinds of new lifers. And yes, I'm painting with a broad brush for the sake of this message, but I think what I'm getting at here really encapsulates many of the people within our congregation. When 4th of July comes around, at least four people surface within our church. The first person who surfaces in our church or one of the people who surface is the conservative in our church who finds it very hard To find anything wrong with this country And next to the conservative Although you don't know you're sitting next to each other uh, Is the progressive person Who finds it very difficult To identify uh, anything right with this country And so the conservative finds It's hard to find anything wrong with this country The progressive person finds It's hard to find anything right with this country and then there's another layer to our complexity Where I've called in many ways Kind of the grateful immigrant 50% of Queens is foreign born 123 languages represented in this neighborhood 75 nations represented in our congregation And the grateful immigrant often aligns With the conservative But from a very different story And a very different background. And so it's like, Pastor Rich, if you only know where I've come from, you would be grateful to live in this country. That's the third kind of person who, who comes to our church. And then there's the fourth person who comes to our church who does not want to talk about this country, doesn't want to talk about pop. They just want to uh, make hamburgers and hot dogs, and they don't want to talk about anything. And all of these people come to our church, and then some. And so Jesus' words are not just words to his 12 disciples, His words are to us as well. Because a good measure of our discipleship is not how much Bible we have in our head, but the state of our heart towards people who are different from us. That's how we measure true discipleship. That's how we measure true love. And what the gospel is after, brothers and sisters, is the creation of a new family. That, you could argue, is the primary fruit of the gospel. The primary fruit of the gospel, you could argue, is not going to heaven when you die, and we praise God for that good news. The primary fruit of the gospel is not simply forgiveness of sins, although that news is glorious, and we praise God for it. You could argue in the scriptures that the primary fruit of the gospel is that the kingdom of God has come in Jesus Christ to create a new family. joined together in his name. Learning what it means to love well. And so the kingdom of God, the gospel is the good news that the kingdom of God has come near in Jesus Christ and that in his life, death, resurrection, and enthronement, the powers of sin and death no longer have the last word and now a new family is created. And so because of this new family is created, the question is, how do we hold this family together? And that family is held together as we cultivate presence with one another becoming calm and curious before god ourselves and others especially in times of high anxiety and listen resisting this polar opposite pull that happens in in us whenever distress comes whenever disagreement comes whenever anxiety happens in our lives there are typically two directions at least two directions where we go that do not reflect presence it's usually enmeshment where we fuse into someone We kind of disappear into someone We don't name our values We don't lift our voice We kind of disappear because of anxiety We don't want to rock the boat We don't want to cause drama we, 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 You know, you didn't like the movie But you said you loved the movie Why? Because you don't want to cause any awkwardness You kind of disappear into someone And the opposite end of that spectrum Is you simply cut off from someone That when anxiety uh, Distress Disagreement emerged, You just kind of uh, get away from that person And when I think about the two ways that we typically go whenever distress or anxiety surface, I think about two songs the first song, uh, in 1997, I, I remember every song that came out in 1997 uh, because I worked at the movie theater, and uh, and so as I'm making the popcorn and do all that stuff, they always had music playing, and so whenever uh, I'm driving and a song comes out from 1997, I stop everything I'm doing, I look back and go, children, I go, Rosie, do you know what year this song came out? And they go, tell us, Dad, uh, 1997. How do, you know, how, do, how do I know this, children? They go, because you worked at the theater, Dad. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. And so it never gets old, at least for me uh, And so there's a song that came out in 1997 That when it comes out, uh, you know, uh, on the radio I just, I stop whatever I'm doing, I blast it, it It's a song by Leanne Rimes called How Do I Live Oh, what a song Beautiful Beautiful Now on the surface, in many ways, this song is a, it's a romantic song Uh, But in other ways, it's a song of enmeshment and infusion. Tell me now, how do I live without you? I want to know. How do I breathe without you? If you ever go, how do I ever, you know, uh, ever survive? How do I? How do I, oh, how do I, oh, how do I live? Oh, beautiful, isn't it? Uh, Now, this is like, it's romantic, it's nice, and it's language of enmeshment. It's basically if if you don't feel good about me, I can't live. if, if you're not on my side, I can't breathe. If, uh, if you don't like me, I just want to disappear. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's how do I live. It, it, it's on one side of the spectrum. This is where we typically go when distress uh, surfaces, when disagreement happens. But then 20 years later, there's another song that has emerged in our culture that gets to the opposite end of the spectrum. It's a song by Selena Gomez called Cut You Off, Cut You Off. and so she says so i gotta get you out of my head now i just cut you off you out of my head now i just cut you off when i'm without you i don't overthink it i just carry on get you out my head now i just cut you off here's the question when the stress goes do you go to how do i or do you go to i cut you off And both of these songs are not Christian songs <laughs> of presence, of abiding, of being with one another. Where do you go when disagreement surfaces? Do you, do you not name the values that are deep inside of you and kind of just uh, cower in a corner and say, I, I, I'm not going to raise my voice whatsoever I'm not going to name my perspective or my values on this issue. I just don't want to rock the boat. Or do you totally say, if I never see you again, it'll be too soon. And you you just totally find yourself cutting off emotionally. Or physically, or relationally, whatever it might be, and I just want to say regarding this cut-off piece because folks were asking me after the first service, so I, I also want to nuance this: that 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 there are times to create significant boundaries in our lives. There are times to say, this relationship cannot continue. There are times to say, I'm not going to put myself in a situation like this, especially when their situations are toxic and abusive. There are times to distance yourself and to put up protective barriers. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the regular situations of human life in which there's disagreement, in which there's distress. And the first response is, let me get out of there. As a pastor being here for 15 years, I can't tell you how many times folks have just disappeared. And then when I see them again some two, three years later, I say, what happened? Uh, Where did you go? And what actually begins to surface is, I just did not have what it takes to actually be present to someone else and negotiate our differences. But may we be people who cultivate presence with God and presence with one another. I just want to normalize. Next week, we're going to talk about how do we negotiate our differences in conflict, but we cannot even talk about conflict unless we talk about presence, unless we talk about what it actually means to be present to God and to be present to each other, and in order to do both of those things, especially to be present to one another, it requires another kind of presence. And This is the third kind of movement of this message that I want us to pay attention to. It's remaining close to myself. It's very easy to use God to run from ourselves. And we avoid ourselves in the name of Jesus. And we avoid ourselves in the name of religious activity. And we avoid ourselves in the name of of wanting to, uh, you know, keep the peace. But we, we avoid ourselves. And every time we avoid ourselves, we are no longer positioned to be present before one another and present to God. Because to actually... Identify what's happening within me Is to live in reality And to live in reality is to live In the presence of God because God only dwells In reality not in Illusion and this Is something that I have tried to Work through for a number Of years what does it mean To be present to myself To identify what's happening Beneath the surface of my own life So that I just don't uh, uh, Fuse into someone or I just Don't cut someone off But I'm able to be present This is very difficult And yet in the name of Jesus And in the power of community We can do this When I think about my own stories Of remaining close to myself And how this has helped me I think about something that happened in 2021 In 2020 as the world was changing We had to adjust very quickly To how we were going to do church and so as you remember, everything was online and, and we had to mobilize our congregation To doing things differently and innovating And so I was just kind of going with the motions As, as, as not feeling too much anxiety Stress, yes, but we, we were just sensing God's presence Even in the midst of that But I began to uh, discover fractures within me And within our community after January 6th After January 6th, the insurrection of the Capitol I remember preaching a sermon that Sunday after and I preached a sermon about what it means to be baptized. What does it mean to have our identity and our allegiance to Jesus Christ? In a world in which uh, it is not marked by this kind of allegiance, what does it mean for Christians to identify with Jesus Christ? And so that Sunday, I got up and I, I named some things in our community. And I mentioned some of the dangers against our baptism. I mentioned that corrosive racism is, becomes a danger to our baptism. I mentioned that conspiracy theories Is a danger to our baptism I mentioned that charismatic prophecies Especially when they are oriented around political ends uh, Is dangerous to our baptism I mentioned cable news discipleship That if our lives are being so discipled by cable news We are going to find ourselves uh, In many ways forfeiting our allegiance to Jesus Christ Everything that started with the letter C I named it that Sunday That was a danger to our baptism And a few weeks later I recognized in our congregation That not everyone saw what I was saying in the same way And it led to a series of conversations That I had with many members of our community And I remember one person in our church Not someone who's just been coming for two weeks Someone who's been part of our church A pillar of our church for a number of years this person said, Rich, can we have a conversation Around what you said I want to share my perspective on the matter As well And so we set up a conversation On Zoom, he said, "Can we have two hours of conversation?" I thought, "Wow, can anything good come out of a two-hour Zoom?" I said, "Can we make it 75, brother? Can we make it 90?" And so we had a, a lengthy but important conversation around Zoom, around how we see the world, around the gospel, around politics. And as that event and that Zoom meeting was 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 approaching, I found myself increasingly getting anxious. Have you ever had that before That you know a very difficult conversation Is on the horizon And something inside of you going I don't know if I will survive this I don't know if I can get through this Maybe I should just avoid it And all together And as that conversation is emerging I found myself very anxious And it got to a point where my, the, the stories inside of me Were just overtaking me so much I said I gotta get to Jesus Because I can't live like this And I need to be truly present To this person Who I love Who's seeing the world a bit differently than I am And so about two hours Before this conversation I find myself very distressed And I walk outside Of my apartment in Queens here I find a bench on on Queens Boulevard And I sit down with my journal And I began to identify Lord what are the messages That are living inside of me That are producing this anxiety That's making me be distant from this person Not curious But distant And I sat, for an hour, I sat down trying to listen to the Holy Spirit. Lord, what are the messages? What are the scripts? What are the lies? What am I believing that's making me carry this anxiety that's keeping me from being distant before this person? And after an hour, I I named what I saw, these internal messages, and I share these messages because you have your own messages as well. And my hope is that even in my sharing of these messages, it'll prime the pump in your own soul to begin to identify what keeps you from people. The messages that came up in me were When people disagree with me It means I'm a bad leader That if congregants and I are not on the same page I'm, I'm always doing something wrong as a leader The messages that were living inside me were I'm causing division by bringing up delicate issues What was living inside of me That things will end in the worst way possible And it will be my fault That I need you to like me for me to be okay That I need you to agree with me me to be okay, and that people who leave our church just expose my deficiencies in leadership. And so I sat down on Queens Boulevard with my journal open and trying to listen to Jesus and saying, Lord, what's true here? What's not true here? What other messages do you have for me? What do you want to communicate? How do you want me to reframe the way I'm showing up in the world so that I can truly be present to this person who I love, who's seeing the world very differently than I am? And after about an hour of just this reflection, I really sensed God doing something in me, and I walked back to my apartment, sat down, and an hour later had this conversation. And I'll tell you what, it wasn't easy, and times were still awkward. I want to romanticize. And the presence of God was wonderful. And it was, no, it was still very challenging, but something shifted in my soul that as I was being present to myself, I've positioned myself now to receive something from God To enable me to find my identity, number one, in the love of God. And to be truly present to another person. Here's the question. What messages are living inside of you? This isn't just me. This is all of us. There are messages that live inside of us that keep us from being present to one another. And I believe that God wants to today and throughout the rest of this season of Lent and beyond help us to identify what lives inside of us that's keeping us from being present to one another, present to ourselves, present to God. And what we find in the scriptures over and over again is that God longs to do this because one of God's, uh, the things that, that really the Bible uh, exemplifies is that God longs to be present to us. This is the story of the Bible. It's the story of God's presence with us. At the very beginning, God creates uh, humanity. God creates Adam and Eve and longs to be present with them, to abide with them, to dwell with them. And they sin, they take matters into their own hands. And God says, well, we, we have to identify the consequences of this. And, and he, he has them leave e, uh, uh, the Garden of, of Eden, and he he covers them uh, with righteous uh, 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 fur to let them know that even though there are consequences to your sin, I love you with an everlasting love. And beyond that, from from Genesis to Revelation, what we find over and over again is a God who longs to dwell with you, a God who longs to dwell with humanity, God dwells with humanity in so many different ways. He shows up in a pillar of smoke. He shows up as a cloud. He shows up in fire. He shows up in the tabernacle. He shows up in the temple when his people continue to sin against him and they're sent into exile. He shows up through his prophets, letting them know that I love you with an everlasting love and there is a day that we will be dwelling with one another. And the story of the Bible goes on and on and on until God says, it's not enough for me to show up in a tabernacle and it's not enough for me to show up in a temple and it's not enough for me to show up as a fire and it's not enough for me to show up through a prophet. I'm going to show up myself. And, And the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word became flesh and dwells among us. Jesus Christ becomes human, longing to dwell with us takes on our sin raised on the third day ascends to the father and the story doesn't end there because he said it's not enough for me to dwell with you I want to dwell in you and so he sends the Holy Spirit to live inside of you to dwell in you and the Spirit of God dwells in those who belong to Jesus not simply so we can have some spiritual experiences or some religious goodies The Spirit of God dwells in us so that we may become present with one another. Present to the living God. Present to ourselves. And the world is so fractured. Our families are so fractured. And I believe God looks at the church, the Big C Church, and God looks at our local church And God wants to demonstrate to the world what is possible when Jesus gets a hold of a people. When the Holy Spirit empowers a people, God says, I want to show the world what is possible. In a world that's fractured, in a world that's divided, in a world that's marked by great anger and animosity, I want to show you what is possible in my name. And so the question is are you present to God? Are you present to others? Are you present to yourself? And this is the invitation this Sunday. Not that we cut off, not that we fuse in, but that we learn what can happen in the name of Jesus. That we grow in our capacity to be curious, to be humble, that we grow in our capacity to ask good questions and to hear each other's unique stories, and by the grace of God to love one another in the name of Jesus For. As the Father has loved him and as he has loved us, he calls us to love each other. Amen. Let's pray together. The story of the Bible is the story of presence, God's presence. With humanity, God's presence with all of creation. And yet, this is often not our story. This is often what does not characterize our lives. And so here we are, Jesus, needing you, needing your grace. Lord, it's so very easy to live on spiritual autopilot, to live in reactivity and emotionality. So many of our family of origin messages that live in us, the messages of fear that dwell in us, which has a way of so determining the way we show up in the world. But Lord, may we be present. May it start with us in our own hearts and in this community. May we show what's possible amidst our often very different ways of seeing the world. May we show what's possible in your name. And so Lord, we sing to you now words of praise and of worship of repentance of hope we pray these things in Jesus name amen let's all stand let's sing in response together
1: in your mighty love stands strong to the end you will fulfill your purpose for me you won't forsake me
0: Let's have our prayer team come to my my right. We end every gathering with an opportunity for you to come and receive prayer because when we pray for one another, there is really a special grace of the Holy Spirit that gets released over our lives. It communicates that we need one another on our journey. Uh, That it's true, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. uh, And that we must connect ourselves to community as, as well. And so uh, we want to give you an opportunity. What, what, what are you carrying? What are the messages inside of you that live in you that's keeping you from being present to God and present to one another and even present to yourself? Where does Jesus want to heal you, transform you? And maybe today there's something uh, living in you that you need prayer for. We'd love to pray for whatever need that you have Maybe you came into church today Maybe you're watching online And uh, you've never said yes to following Jesus uh, Every Sunday I want to give you an opportunity To say yes to beginning a journey with Jesus Christ Surrendering your life to Him It doesn't mean you have to have all the Bible questions Answered in your head And all of the theological knowledge But it does mean that you've come to an end of yourself And you're saying, I recognize that I need A power outside of myself I need the presence And the power and the forgiveness of Jesus And I want to Order my life according to His way So maybe you're here today, we want to help you Go along those lines, you can come up for prayer You can uh, scan that QR code And we'd love to follow up with you To see ways that we can serve you along Those lines, and maybe you came into church And you're watching online, and you have said yes to Jesus even recently But you haven't been baptized We want to help you take that next step of obedience as well Baptism is not simply about getting wet It's about demonstrating your allegiance to Jesus Christ That you belong to him And, and, and he to, to you And so uh, feel free to talk to one of our pastors Or scan that code so we can serve you As best as we can This message really is for us as Of course as individuals but for the congregation that I believe God is calling us to be. Over the years at New Life, we've talked about many issues that can bring up, uh, in many places, uh, fractures. We've talked about racism. We've talked about uh, political uh, ways of seeing the world. We've talked about politics. Uh, After Easter, we're going to have a series where we talk about sexuality and our bodies and what does this mean before God. And with all of the uh, various issues that can tear people apart, I believe God is calling us to be a community that becomes present to one another. That even though we might not see all the things that we see in the same way as the person sitting next to us, but that we can abide with God, and abide with each other, and abide with ourselves. And this is only going to come through the work of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And so feel free to come up for prayer. We want to help you take your next step. But as we close, I want to invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. We have a connection event downstairs in the shell room, so feel free to make your way there. With your hands in your hearts in a posture of receiving brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit and out of this online gathering in the power of the Holy Spirit, remaining close to God, remaining close to others, remaining close to ourselves. And may you demonstrate with your life what's possible when Jesus gets a hold of someone. I bless you all and strong, in the beautiful and the very present name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. amen. Grace and peace to you all.